0: Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. I love, I love the carols. We're doing a series called carols. I love the songs. I love Christmas time. Uh, As you know, probably already, we have a tradition in our house where typically Christmas music doesn't start until Thanksgiving Day, typically after, but uh, my family has broke that tradition and And uh, I kind of had to as well as I've been studying and preparing for our carol series. Um, But you listen to that song, and it sounds, isn't it just beautiful? You just kind of want to sit back and sip on some cider, right? And just, you know, you think about, man, yeah, holy night. And it's just this calming song, right? And yet you look back at the story, and how many know the story? You know, there's probably nothing calming about it, you know? Uh, When you think about the story, I don't know how we got all these carols that are calming, that are peaceful and and whatnot. When you think about the story of Christmas and uh, and what it really was like, it probably wasn't, you know, choirs in their mind. It probably wasn't, you know, someone, you know, on a harp or a piano and a beautiful voice singing. I think back to when we had our first child, and uh, honestly, there was really nothing glamorous about it at all. And uh, for those of you that had children before, you, you know, it's not like this, this real glamorous moment. Um, it would have been nice to have the worship team in there, sure. Um, but that didn't happen, you know. It was epidurals, you know. It was yelling. I think my wife might have squeezed my arm off at one point. You know, this wasn't like this peaceful, peaceful moment. Um, but yet these songs paint it as such. matter of fact, uh, that, that night, that moment, when you think about it, uh, they had to travel about 80 to 100 miles before they even had the child while she was pregnant, ready to give birth. And uh, you know, uh, for us, we what did we have then? We had a what did we have? We had a Honda Passport, didn't we? You know, we jumped in a Honda Passport. Actually, I was out surfing with my brother, and uh, and we come in from surfing, and uh, we got this phone call that hey, uh, we think the baby's about to come. And so I remember frantically, you know, getting ready, going back. And then she wrecked my, my surf session because then we sat around the house for a couple more hours. I didn't complain that day, trust me, okay? I, I know better. Um, but, uh, and then I remember we went to the hospital and, and we went, we got to go in a Honda Passport. Don't, they probably don't make those anymore. But think about this. She didn't get to travel in a Honda Passport. She traveled on a donkey, uh, 80 to 100 miles, probably not real comfortable if you're pregnant. And, uh, and they get, you know, to a place and there's no room for them to stay. And so uh, they have, a, you know, the, the, a way in a manger, right? You know, that beautiful scene, you know, where everyone's singing, including the animals, right? But really, that manger was probably more like a cave. Most uh, theologians believe it was more like a carved out area in a rock and, you know, to kind of get away from the elements. It wasn't sterile, okay? There was no epidurals, okay? It was, it was probably, a, you know, a young girl screaming her, her brains out, right? And yet we get this. We get, oh, holy night. It's this peaceful rendition. And uh, and here's the crazy thing. I think that God does something to the mind of women um, where they really do view it like that. And God does that so they'll have another child in the future. Come on, somebody. It's the grace of God. So, And so today, uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we started last week. Today, we're going to talk uh, about, uh, well, we're going to preach the word. But we're, we're basing this uh, series off of uh, some carols. And today's carol is O Holy Night. And I want to read you because what we've been doing is looking at one phrase in that carol, and then we've been talking about it. And so I want to read to you the first couple of verses here of this of this carol. Oh, holy night, the stars their gleams prolonging. Watch o'er the eve of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, longing for His appearance. Then the Spirit felt its worth. Listen to this verse. This is the verse I want to look at today. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. The thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. Rejoices. Weary, I I think probably could sum up uh, maybe a lot of things that are happening on the earth today. Maybe people feel it uh, in through their culture. uh, What's happening in the economy? uh, Maybe a job. Maybe I know there's lots of people in our our church looking for jobs. uh, But you feel weary. Has anybody ever felt weary before? You felt run down. You felt three of you. Okay, I must be preaching to the wrong church. Okay, you ever felt that that weariness before? And uh, and just the, the weight that comes on you when you're weary, and you kind of lose sight of, of, of maybe what God wants to do or is doing in your life, or or maybe even push that aside for a minute. You kind of lose sight of everything, and you're so weary, you're so worn down that you're just living from paycheck to paycheck. You're just living from hour to hour. You you check in your little you know you, you clock in at, at work, and then you clock out. You go home. Uh, you flip on your favorite show. Come on. You throw a hot pocket in the. Mic microwave come on somebody that used to be that used to be a a college food now it's just everybody right you get home throw it in the microwave boom you know uh, you try to dress it up a little bit you know throw a little salad on the side you know pour a little glass of wine look at my meal you know that's awesome hot pockets again you know and you find yourself just going through routine and just kind of going. And really what it comes down to is you're weary. You, you, don't, you can't find purpose. You can't find meaning. You can't find life fulfillment. You can't find joy. You're weary. And I would say that that one phrase, a weary world, really probably uh, paints the picture for a lot of people in our culture today. Maybe not you, maybe you found hope and, and, and so you're thriving, but there are a lot of people that you probably work with, a lot of people that you interact with, a lot of people that you deal with, that really this one word, weary, could, could sum it up. And at this time, a weary world, though, begins to rejoice. At this time uh, that we call Christmas, this time where, where the Savior, Christ the Lord, is born, born, that in the middle of weariness, in the middle of of maybe no answers, in the middle of maybe hopelessness, now the world begins to rejoice. Listen to it. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, that even in the middle of weariness, in the middle of tiredness, in the middle of maybe no purpose, they find a spark and they begin to rejoice. Why do they begin to rejoice? Because the thrill of hope. What is the thrill of hope? It's God come to the earth. And because of Christ entering the scene, because of Christ entering humanity, because of Christ entering the culture of that time, the weariness now begins to turn to hope, and the hope begins to turn to rejoicing. And I got good news for you today that, that, that God still is doing that in people's lives that they might find themselves in a weary moment. They might find themselves weary uh, in a job, in a marriage, in a circumstance, a situation. But yet even in the midst of that weariness, you can begin to have a thrill of hope and you can begin to rejoice because Christ wants to enter your world today. Christ wants to enter your world today. I believe that. I believe that they found in the middle of chaos, in the middle of that cave, in the middle of that woman giving birth in an unsterile setting, that in the middle of that moment, they found a reason to rejoice because Christ the Lord had come to the earth. And it's really my prayer, my hope for for all of us today that no matter what you find yourself in, no matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, no matter what weight you're carrying on your shoulders right now, that you would find a reason to rejoice and I believe that reason to rejoice that we're going to see today in Scripture is the same reason they rejoiced back then. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ, listen, the Bible says that he never leaves you, he never forsakes you. How many you guys thankful for that? He never leaves you, he never forsakes you. Now remember that, that night when our first was born. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was a chaotic moment. Both our children had to be born Caesarean. And although we went in with Kara not planning that way, after hours of labor and no progress, uh, Kara was not moving forward. The doctors had to make the call and say, hey, we need to do a cesarean. Now, that's a whole nother. If you're a woman and you've ever had that, that's a whole nother level, okay? Um, Because that, you know, turned from days of recovery to weeks of recovery, you know? And so that moment, it wasn't just like, yeah, sure, let's just do it, cut her open, get the baby out. There was lots of thoughts going on. There There was a chaotic moment. But the, the, the crazy thing is, is when you get to that place where you're holding your first child or even your second, when you get to that moment where you're holding your baby, it's like, you know what? It was all worth it. It was all worth it. I, I, I know it's, it's, it's hard to fathom if you've never had a child, but, and thank God I didn't have to go through the painful part. <laughs> God did not make me a woman for a reason. I got a low pain tolerance. Maybe other reasons too, but that's one of them. But I remember, and I remember Katie holding Cara for the first time. And just the joy of that moment. Just that, man, the thrill of that, that moment of holding our baby. Listen, I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what circumstances, but I know this. If you keep pushing through what you're going through, you're going to be holding something on the other side. And it's going to bring hope and it's going to bring joy to your circumstance and your situation. I believe that. Turn to your Bibles today. I want to take you to the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the book of Lamentations today. As we talk about this thought, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And i I got to be honest with you today. As I was studying for this message, I feel like uh, this message today uh, is for some people specifically. I really believe that there's some people in here today that you're on the verge of giving up on something, or you're in the middle of of ready to give up on someone, or maybe you're in the middle of ready to give up on a dream or a desire, an aspiration, or maybe it's a a marriage, Uh, maybe it's your finances, you just feel like throwing in the towel, you feel like calling it quits, but I want you to know something, in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of that weariness, come on, you're going to find reason to rejoice today. I believe that with all my heart, that you're going to find that reason to rejoice. And in Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to read, starting in verse 19, and we're going to read to verse 26. Some background on the book, Lamentations, uh, uh, most likely written by Jeremiah, Jeremiah, prophet to the nation at the time. And uh, Jerusalem now has been taken over. They've been taken captive. And if you look back through the Old Testament, the main reason that the people of God were taken captive and taken over and their cities uh, rampaged was because of sin in their life. Because they weren't walking in obedience to the word of God and the plan of God. And because of that, God would allow the enemy to come in. And it was a judgment pronounced on the nation. And so this has taken place. Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, now begins to pen lamentations as he begins to lament and he begins to mourn over his nation written uh, at a time of around uh, 586 B.C., he writes these words, and I want you to listen to it, because in the middle of his anguish, in the middle of his whining, in the middle of his lamenting, he begins to find a reason to rejoice. Lamentations 3, verse 19, remember my affliction and my wanderings. Now, he's prophetically not just speaking about himself personally, but he's speaking about the nation that he's a part of remember my affliction and my wanderings the wormwood and the gal my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope here it begins the turn I'm lamenting, I'm mourning, I see the error of my way, I see the wickedness of the nation, I see that we have brought this upon ourselves, but in the middle of that, I'm going to begin to remember, I'm going to begin to remind myself of something. I'm going to begin to call to remembrance, and then he goes in and he begins to talk about it, but listen to what he says, I'm going to call to mind, and we're going to talk about what he calls to mind, and therefore I have hope. I learned something as I was studying this week that every once in a while when we find ourselves in those circumstances and situations where we feel weary, whether it's something we brought on ourselves or whether it's something that, 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 that has happened to us, that we need to begin to remember some things about God, that we need to call back to remembrance. I, I, I brought some weariness on my family over the last couple weeks. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking back, probably not the wisest decision, but we're in the middle of a move. And uh, actually, we just concluded our move at 11 p.m. on Thursday night. Yeah. How many of you guys enjoy moving? Does anybody out there enjoy moving? Because I'm going to write your name down and remember it. Somebody does right there. I'm writing Paul's. Is that Paul? Okay, Paul's going to help us move next time. Nobody else raised. How many of you guys detest, hey, like, moving? You just, you loathe it. It's like, thank you. It's like, my new strategy to moving is just pile everything in the yard, light a match, let it burn, get some insurance money. I'm just kidding. Um, But let it burn and just, just buy all new stuff because I hate moving. It's like, well, what about the family pictures? They're digital. We'll print more. Come on, somebody. Okay. And it's like when you have children, every item is special to that child. It's a McDonald's toy. Come on, somebody but I got it when I was six and we were at the McDonald's on this. And I'm like, what? You know, everything's special. And, we, and so we packed and we decided to do it. We had two people help us. And uh, that was by choice. I probably could have you know, sent a text message out and we would have had a ton of people helping us. But we just moved like less than two years ago and I really felt bad because I'm gonna text the same people. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Because here's the thing. You have friends and then you have real friends. How do you tell the difference? Real friends are the ones that'll help you move. Come on, somebody. Okay, the other friends, they're just there after everything's set up. <laughs> and so I said, babe, we're gonna do this. And so we've been moving stuff over. And, and, and my wife, I think she might've like, like disliked me for a little bit because we said, we're gonna get out before Thanksgiving. And I'm talking, I, I've been weary. I've been weary. And then to make matters worse, and I'm gonna have a confessional right here today. To make matters worse, I'm trying to, we have our, our daughter's birthday party um, thing, or and we're trying to get her room set up because her room now is the only room set up in the house. But we wanted to do it before Saturday so she could show off her friends. And so I'm running around like a madman, and my phone rings while I'm driving, and I answer it without the hands free. Oh please! Oh no! <laughs> you were like this on the way to church today. <laughs> Don't lie. You know you were, right? And I pick up the phone because I'm just doing so much. And I pick up the phone, and I say hello, and I say hello, and all of a sudden I look in the rearview mirror and there's a highway patrolman behind me. And his lights are on. And I really just wanted to drop the phone and pretend like I was scratching my face. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on. My weary world got wearier that day. But in the middle of all of that, last night, and at about 6 o'clock, I just called it quits. I said, I'm not doing anything else. And I just called it quits. And I started thinking more about today. And, man, God just visited me as I'm sitting there watching the Chronicles of Narnia with my daughter. Come on, it's a good movie to watch and have God visit, right? And God just visited me, and I just felt some strength come inside of me. And just this, this breath of fresh air as I begin to remember. Because here's the thing. This whole move has been me focused on my family thinking about my family and, and, and taking my my family to this, this this beautiful home and this place where they can grow and have friends over. And I'm doing all of this because I love my daughters and I love my family. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me at that moment said, Ben, I, I like and I see what you're doing, um, but I want you to know something, that everything I'm doing in your life is because I love you. And that moment of his love, just be like, And in the middle of my tiredness and my weariness, I felt this, this strength come inside of me. And I began to remind myself and I began to call back to remembrance all of the amazing things God has done in my life. And as I began to remember, much like Jeremiah is doing here, as I began to call to remembrance all of the things that God has done. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because here's the thing. When you're in the middle of a weary moment, all you can do is, is, is think about that weary moment. And not only that, you begin to think about that weary moment, it's almost like you begin to recall every other weary moment in your life. So you anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like when you lose a job, right? And you're like, man, I lost my job. You know, I've always been a horrible worker. Man, I suck at what I do. And anyone know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, everything around it, you just begin to call back. But if you stop for a minute in the middle of those weary moments, and you begin to call back the goodness of God, and you begin to think about how amazing He is, and sometimes that seems humanly impossible. So one of the things I love to do is I love to open up to the book of Psalms. And when I open up to the book of Psalms, and I begin to read through the book of Psalms, and I begin to see God's faithfulness to His people, I'm reminded of His faithfulness to me, and all of a sudden, hope starts rising up inside of me, and I believe that God has a plan and a destiny for my life. See, some of you this morning, only thing you need to change today is you need to begin to change what you're thinking about. You need to begin to call back to your remembrance. You need to stop looking around and coveting what somebody else has and start looking at your own life and say, God, what have you done for me? And you begin to think about the goodness of God in your life. I'm telling you right now, man, hope will rise up inside of you. Somebody hear what I'm saying today. Hope will begin to rise up inside of you. As you begin to think about the goodness of God, as you begin to think of it, man, you'll get hope and you'll be able to push through whatever circumstance or situation. Jeremiah does this. In the middle of his lamenting, in the middle of his whining, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Listen to what he calls to mind. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That's a good place to say amen right there. They are new every morning. Great is... Now listen to what happens. Look at what happens. He starts off talking about God, and then he's so overwhelmed with the love of God, he begins to talk to to God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God, help me preach this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you just a couple of things real quickly out of this passage. Because here's what's happening. Jeremiah, in this story, he begins to call back to his remembrance. Listen to the first thing it says. The steadfast love of the Lord. You and I know the love of the Lord this morning. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, because the work that Jesus did on the cross, no greater love has anyone than this, than he laid down his life for another. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to be crucified on the cross. Whoever believes in him would have eternal life. We know the love of God today because of Jesus Christ and the work he did on the cross. And so when Jeremiah the prophet is calling back to his remembrance, now listen, he's prophetic. When he's calling back to remembrance the love of the Lord that never ceases, I believe one of the things that's happened is he's prophetically seeing what God is going to do through Jesus in the future. And he begins to lay hold of this thought. And he begins to talk about the never-ceasing love. And you and I know that love because of Jesus today. And it's why a weary world can rejoice. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices because of the work of Jesus Christ. And when you begin to think about the work of Jesus Christ, and you begin to see this, why was he so excited? Because a new day was coming. Because with Christ, every day is a new day. Look at what he says. These mercies are new every morning. With Christ, every day is a new day. And when every day is a new day with Christ, let me give you a few things. Every day with Christ is a new day. Number one, it brings you exactly what you need. A new day with Christ brings you exactly what you need. Now notice I didn't say exactly what you want. Right? See, some of you out there, that's what you heard. But I'm a Christian. I read my Bible. I pray. I went to church. How come I can't have that? Okay, I'm the only one that's thought that before. Nobody out there has thought that. I guess I'm the only one. But I mean, I've been, I've been following this, and I mean, I've been faithful, and I've been, why, why, why can't I have that? Listen, he doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. And a lot of times what you need isn't what you want, right? The reality is there's a lot of things that we want that we truly don't need. But with Christ, a new day with Christ, it brings us exactly what we need. Look at verse 23. His faithfulness, His mercies, they're new every morning. What do you need? What you really need? You need the mercy of God. And you need His faithfulness in your life. You need his faithfulness in your life. Think about it. In the Old Testament, we see this picture very clearly. When the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt, and God provides something for them every day. And it's this stuff called manna. Okay? I believe it tasted a lot like fish tacos. Come on, somebody. And every day, they would get up, and they could take for that day what they needed, but they couldn't save it, because it would, it would rot, and so they took what they needed for that day, and, and guess what? They had to learn to live a life of faith that the next day God was going to take care of them again, and so they would just take what they needed. Some of them learned the hard way, and they took what they wanted, and when they took what they wanted, it had worms in it, it was moldy, it was gross the next day, it caused problems. But if they only took what they needed, it sustained them for the day. And then the next day, God's faithfulness provided for them again. And the next day, God's faithfulness provided for them again. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Who by worrying can add one cubit to their stature? You can tell I don't stress much. You can't. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own, right? Sufficient for today are today's problems. But here's the thing. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because God's got tomorrow already taken care of. You don't have to worry about this, that, or the other. Why? Because God's already got it taken care of. He knows what you need. And if we just go to him... And approach Him, His throne of mercy and grace. Guess what? He's going to give us the grace that we need. We'll have it in a time of need. He's, he's, he's going he's to handle it all. Are you with me today? It's quiet in here. Maybe we should sing another carol. All right, maybe not. Brings you exactly what you need. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. God's portion is enough. And what we need to do is we need to learn to live a life of faith. Now now listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying we don't plan for our future. I'm not saying we don't plan for tomorrow. The Bible says, as we plan our ways, God will direct our steps. There's a difference between planning and worrying. Right? Some of your idea of planning is worrying. That's not planning. Okay? That's making your spouse anxious. Come on, somebody. Stop worrying. No need to worry. Plan? Yes. Worry? No. No. We plan, but we don't. Why? Because Christ brings you exactly what you need. Christ will bring you. Secondly, Christ brings you the hope to keep going. Christ brings you the hope to keep going. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. As you wait on the Lord, as you wait on God, as you're in Christ Jesus, he will bring you the hope to keep going. Now you need to, you need to, you need to recognize that. Because a lot of us, what we want is we don't want the hope to keep going and pushing through. We want God just to completely remove the obstacles out of our way. Now don't get me wrong, does he sometimes do that? Yes, yes. But I can speak from my point of view, the majority of the time, he doesn't operate that way. Because the reality is, it's not about the mountain that's in front of you, it's about the mountain that's inside of you. And so if you focus so much on trying to get the mountain outside of you, it doesn't happen. Why? Because what God wants to do is he wants to remove the mountain in you. He wants to soften your heart. He wants to build character. He wants to build you. You. And so what he's more concerned about, see, too many of us are, are, are focused on the concerns out here. But God's concerned about what's going on in here. And so what he does is he gives you the hope to keep going. Gives you the hope to keep going. And if you keep going, you'll get through. And you'll look back, but the mountain will still be there. But you'll realize, wait, the mountain's been removed Here. So he gives you this hope to keep going. How does he do that? As you wait upon him. As you wait upon him. Jeremiah says, wait. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks after him. Jeremiah, Jeremiah is saying this. He's saying, look, I know that it's weary. I know that the world is weary. I know that, man, our, our, our nation has just been taken over. And he's lamenting, he's weeping, but he calls to mind the love of the Lord, the goodness of God. And all of a sudden, he begins to build himself up. And now he begins to address a nation. And he says, hey, we need to wait upon him. And in that waiting upon him, even in the middle of a weary moment, even in the middle of a weary situation, strength begins to rise again. And as we get strength, man, then we can continue to move up. Don't give up. Here's the key. Here's here's what he's saying. Hey, don't give up. Man, there's a new day breaking. There's a new moment coming. His mercies, his faithfulness, man, it's going to happen. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give in to the pressure. Don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel on your marriage. Don't throw in the towel on your finances. Don't throw in the towel on your children. Don't give up. Have the hope to keep pushing. Have the hope to keep pushing. Have the hope to keep, does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You know, it's once been said that uh, you can go about 40 days without food. I don't wanna ever do that again. 40 days without food. You can go about eight days without water. You can go about four minutes without oxygen but you only live seconds without hope. Man, that, that feeling when you're hopeless. That feeling when you just, it, it's devastating. And you can only live seconds. Here, here's the problem, is that people put their hope in the wrong thing. People put their hope in a church. People put their hope in a person. People put their hope in a job. People put hope in a circumstance. People put hope in the wrong things, and when they do that, they begin to become hopeless because all those things fail them. And then when they're hopeless, they begin to get weary, and when they're weary, they begin to look around and wonder where God is. Because we're putting hope in the wrong thing. We need to put our hope in Jesus. This I call to mind, the love of the Lord. Because every day with Christ is a new day. Every day with Christ is a new opportunity. He brings me exactly what I need, but he also gives me the hope to keep going. Someone needs to hear this this morning. Someone needs to hear this right now. I don't know who it's for but whatever you're walking through, don't throw in the towel. Don't throw in the towel on your marriage. Don't throw in the towel and don't throw in the towel on, on, on that dream that God has put inside of you. Don't throw in the towel. There's a new day coming. There's a new day coming. Today, you're here today, you're sitting in this chairs today, you're at this church today, some of you visiting for the first time, maybe checking out a church, not even knowing why you came to this church but God had a message for you. Don't give up. Don't give. What does the Bible say? The Bible says we will reap in due season if we do not lose heart. If we don't give up, we're going to reap. Don't give up. Don't give up. Christ is giving you the hope. Hold on to Christ. Hold on to him today. Stop putting your hope in an answer that you're looking for. The answer already came, and his name's Jesus. Stop putting hope and idea of what you think life should look like. This is good. See, some of you are putting your hope and ideal of what life should look like. And when reality and expectation don't line up, you're devastated and you're weary. But if you put your hope in Christ, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, He'll give you exactly what you need, not what you want. Don't give up. Lastly, I'm preaching quick today. I must be hungry. Just being honest. Lastly, A new day with Christ brings the help you're seeking. Brings the help you're seeking. Look at verse 26. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Listen to what he's saying. Now, now we need, we need salvation in two ways. We need salvation of the soul, absolutely. Christ did a work on the cross so that you and I could be saved and have eternity with God in heaven. That work, he did that on the cross. But listen, you, there's some of you in here today, you also need saving from a moment, saving from a circumstance in your life. And listen to what he says. He says, wait Here it is again, wait quietly. Rather than working, rather than striving, rather than trying to figure it out on your own, rather than trying to fix the problem, the circumstance, the situation, whatever it might be, rather than doing that, here's what you need to do. You need to get into the presence of the Lord and in the presence of the Lord, wait quietly and salvation comes. Because one moment with Christ changes everything. One moment in the presence of God changes everything. One day with Jesus changes everything. How do you know that, Pastor? I know that because I've experienced it. I know that because I'm living it. I know that because my wife is living it. I know that because I was there on the day where she got introduced to Jesus and it changed everything in her world. One day with Jesus changes everything. How do I know that? Because when I read through the New Testament, I come across stories of people like this guy named Bartimaeus and he's sitting alongside the road, blind Bart. He's sitting along the road and Jesus begins to pass by and he begins to yell out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus approaches him and in that one moment with Jesus, his sight comes back. I know this because I read stories about a woman with an issue of blood. Have you read that one, Mark chapter 9? And you read the story and here's a woman been bleeding for 14 years Man, she's, she's, she's very weary. She's very tired. She's very out of sorts. But in that one encounter with Jesus, that one day, that one moment with Jesus, her whole entire circumstance begins to change. Man, it's, it's throughout the Bible. It's throughout the Bible. It's throughout the Bible in Luke. There's a man by a pool waiting to be healed. And Jesus shows up, says, hey, what do you need? I want to be better. Rise, take up your bed. Walk. That one encounter with Jesus changed everything. There's a man in Mark chapter 2 that got lowered through a roof of a house just to be in front of Jesus, and that one moment in front of Jesus, this paralyzed man now walks. One moment with Jesus changes everything. One moment with Jesus, Luke 11, another, another moment, there's a man named Lazarus. He's dead. And Jesus comes on the scene. One moment with Jesus, and Lazarus rises from the grave. One moment with Jesus changes everything. One moment with Jesus, one day with Jesus, brings you what you need, brings you the hope to keep going, and brings you the help you are seeking, one moment with Jesus and your weary world will begin to rejoice. Because hope does not disappoint because the love of God, Romans chapter 5, because the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of promise. In your weary situation today, you can begin to rejoice as you begin to call back to mind the love of God of the Father. God, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.